Bucks win game one of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Toronto Raptors. Brewers right the ship in Philly. And we have a guest today. Big Easy calls in. There goes the law. Well, thanks again for tuning in to Cully's Corner and downloading the podcast. We really appreciate it. We have a lot to talk about. We have a great set. And like I mentioned before, we have Big Easy calling in. So let's just jump right into it. The Bucks win Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals 108-100. Um, it, it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. It was a pretty ugly game, but the Bucks still win. And I think that's what is the big difference between a championship team and a playoff team. They could win without Giannis scoring 30 points. There was nobody on the Bucks that scored 30 points. Giannis was, I mean, it was close. Lopez almost did with 29, but Giannis only scored 24 points. Played 37 minutes, 14 rebounds, and 6 assists. Brooke Lopez was a monster. He literally handled the Raptors their, their first loss in this series. He, he was making plays underneath the basket that we really didn't see that much at all this year. But it was it was awesome. Malcolm Brogdon uh, picking up 27 minutes, 15 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, I mean, you look, at, you look at the box score and it's like, how did, how, how did Milwaukee win this game? I was, I was texting... My dad, um, and 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 it's funny because we just we always text sports. I was texting all my friends. We have like this group thread, and I I was saying, okay, yes, we lost the first quarter. Am I scared? Yeah, it didn't look good. It looked like the first game in Boston against Boston, not in Boston against Boston. But so here's the breakdown quarter to quarter, and what I was saying was, win the second and third quarter play for the fourth the first quarter Toronto outscores Milwaukee 34 23 second quarter Bucks 28 to 25 third quarter 25 24 guess what they do next they outscore Toronto in the fourth 32 to 17 I mean, it, it's not even comparable to the first quarter. Like, Milwaukee was in it, yes. But they outplayed them in the fourth quarter, which leads me to believe that the depth of Milwaukee is much more important than the star power that everybody thinks is necessary to win. So just an example, Kawhi and 
Lowry, Kyle Lowry, they both played 40-plus minutes. Kawhi with 42, Lowry with 40. You even heard... Uh, you even heard Reggie Miller say, oh man, Kawhi must be tired. That shot was way short. Yeah, he's tired. He's playing 40 minutes. Giannis played 37. Kawhi played 42 minutes. We didn't have, we didn't have a buck. The, the only buck that was close to 40 minutes was Giannis with 37. Brooke had 35. Middleton had 35. Bledsoe had 30. Everyone else is in the 20s. And that depth is what's going to be able to break teams down. Giannis, I mean, he didn't lead the team in points because Brooke had an amazing game with 29 points. But Giannis only had 24 points. And it it wasn't a Giannis game either. He didn't look like what we've been seeing from Giannis. And I think that really speaks to what this team has bought in with Coach Bud. And I think really what it is, is they're, they're all players that want to win. When you have George Hill not scoring a point, or Pat Connaughton not scoring a point, but Hill had 27 minutes and Connaughton had 11, and we still win, this was the Raptors' chance. And I at that first quarter... I thought, oh man, here we go again. Here we go again. But what is awesome is the Bucks are able to turn it around. They were able to right the ship, or they were able to stay close, like I said, win those two quarters, and play for the fourth. And man, did they come out and play for the fourth. It was, it was a great game. I'm excited for game two. And I think it's going to be really impressive. And I just have uh, I have a quick soundbite here from TNT with Coach Bud talking about the game one win. That the guys competed and got after it defensively in the second half, and particularly the fourth quarter, um, you know, just stands out to me. And you know, the depth, Malcolm coming off the bench and playing the way he did, and just all the different guys we get contributing, and obviously. You know, big game from Brooke on both ends of the court. And, you know, we feel like we can get better, um, you know, to get this win um, after, uh, you know, pretty significant days without playing. Uh, I think hopefully we'll be better between now and uh, game two. And it's true. It, it, it's true. They were rusty. And, and it showed in the first quarter. But it still was a great team effort win. So, I, I'm, I'm excited. I am ecstatic for game two. Can somebody hit Big Easy's music? Now we bring in Big Easy to the podcast, our own Bucks and NBA fanatic. Big Easy, how's it going, bud? Going good right now. Good, I know, right? I'd be happy about it right now, you know? <laughs> you can't complain. Bucks are playing very well. Game two uh, is on the way today on Friday. Can't can't complain. I mean, you're up one one uh, oh, Sorry, excuse me. On the Raptors, and it. What do you think scared you more, Kawhi or Lowry in game one? 
I say probably Lowry. I mean, the thing is with Kawhi, they've done a pretty good job with Middleton defending Kawhi uh, mm. during the season. Uh, there's, I mean, so you kind of know what you're going to get with Kawhi, but Lowry, he's kind of hot and cold. So if you get a hot Lowry, you're in a little bit of trouble. He was making threes left and right. He was not missing anything. Not at all. I know. He, he had uh, 30 points, played 40 minutes. I mean, he just uh, he dominated that whole second half and pretty much pretty much the whole game, really. Honestly, yeah, in the fourth quarter, he was the only uh, player on the Raptors to make a field goal. Right. Uh, Kawhi was zero for three in the fourth quarter. Um, they were he's only making points from the free throw line. Because the thing is, with Kawhi, he can get to the free throw line pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like Giannis can just kind of drive to the hoop and hope to draw the foul, get some easy points at the at the line, but uh, with Lowry, if he can find a shot, uh, it's going to be a little tougher to stop him. So, okay, so what do you think about the slow start about uh, with the Bucks? Like, because we saw this game one it, with Boston as well, the, and, like, the first quarter, they, they seem like it's just tough to get them going. Do you think that's more of just the rest and getting the rust off, or do you think it was really... To them trying to figure out Toronto, I think more so is probably a little bit of the rust. Um, I mean, you have the Raptors who have been playing, you know, a lot uh, lately. Uh, they took the Sixers to Game Seven. Mm-hmm. The Bucks swept the uh, not swept the uh, Celtics. Gentlemen five. sweep, gentlemen sweep. Gentlemen sweep. <laughs> uh, so I mean, you can tell that one of these teams hasn't played in a week. Um, I think that they're going to come out a little bit uh, faster, a little bit hotter uh, in Game 2. Uh, I think it'll still be pretty close, but I think right now it's probably a little bit more fatigue. Or not fatigue, but um, just a little bit of a slow start. A slow start, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I'm not played. Um, so, you know, we were we were texting back, back and forth the whole time um, during the game, and we've watched them all year, so we know the Bucks pretty much their MO. But... So I was texting you the whole time, win the second and third quarter and play for the fourth. And that's what the Bucks did. They won the second quarter, 28-25. They won the third quarter, 25-24. And then they played for the fourth quarter and they outscored Toronto 32-17. to What do you think was the like moment that changed for the Bucks? Because it was, it was really close. But what do you, what did you, is there like a moment in the game that you were like, okay, here we go. Now the Bucks are back on it. Go ahead. Uh, I think the big turning point for the team uh, was kind of getting Brogdon off the bench. Kind of, he provided a big spark for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he's been a little, uh, they had the injury, they kind of took it slow with him getting him back. But right now he looks pretty good. I think uh, right now they're still sticking with Miritich in the starting lineup. I think that might continue through the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to kind of keep weaning him in, but he played more minutes of Miritich, and he just looked really great out there. Yeah, uh, Brogdon had 27 minutes, so and Miritich, uh, Miritich had uh, 25, and I was going to say the same thing. At like six minutes left, Brogdon gets that dunk to go up 96-91, and I think, uh, I mean, Toronto responded, but I think that was the moment where the Bucks kind of turned everything around. Yeah, so, and, oh, and go he had, ahead. He had, he had a plus 18. Yeah, he had a plus 18. 
he had the best efficiency of anybody on the team uh, mm-hmm. that uh, that night. Um, Lopez also too finally finding a shot. Yes, yeah, that um, was huge. That was huge. I know he struggled against the Celtics. I think that has to do a lot with Al Horford, who's a great defender. Yeah, but uh, coming into the uh, game uh, from uh, Game Five against the Celtics, he was zero for seven from the three point line. Yeah, uh, one for four in games uh, three and four. And then uh, with this game, he was finally able to find a shot. And he was, I think, four for 11. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. Four for 11, yeah. For the three. Er, yeah, yep. And uh, Even getting in there and getting inside and uh, getting some layups and dunks in, which uh, normally we don't see him, you know, that close to the to the basket, but he was getting in there and doing, doing some good work. Yeah. a lot of boards, too. Yeah, I was going to say, he. Uh, there was a couple plays where he was like, holy cow, we haven't seen him do that at all this year. <laughs> so... Um, what do you, do you think, uh, coach Bud is going to make any adjustments? Do you think they're just going to keep playing the way they play? I mean, they played this way all year and it says something if the Bucks can win with Giannis. I mean, I I don't want to say Giannis didn't play well, but he didn't play as, as well as we have seen him play. So do you think there's going to, and, and they still win. So do you think he's going to change anything? At all. I think he's going to mostly keep things the same. Uh, yeah. But going back to, you know, playing with the Hawks and everything, mm-hmm. he's been pretty reluctant to make any kind of switch. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't like to really uh, play the switch in the games. Uh, I think they're going to keep trying to do what they do, uh, unless something drastically changes. Okay. Uh, say they lose game two and game three. Uh, they're going to keep doing mostly the same thing. Like I said, maybe they'll, uh, they're doing great with keeping Middleton on. Uh, Kawhi, uh, Giannis on Siakam, mm-hmm. uh, Siakam. Siakam, uh, yeah. That's, that's, that's working really well for them. They're getting a lot of boards. They out-rebounded. Yeah, they did. They definitely out-rebounded. I mean... Which is, which is a big get with, uh, I mean, the Toronto Raptors have a lot of big guys with Siakam, uh, Gasol, who's mm-hmm. a little bit aging now, but uh, Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Giannis had 14 rebounds. And the highest for the Raptors uh, was Gasol with 12. And I, I definitely agree with you because anytime, even if it's a defensive or offensive rebound, if you can control the ball, obviously that you're going to be doing better than the other team. So, what do you, in, a lot, in a lot of these teams right now, they're typically in the playoffs, you're going to play your starting five. A lot of these guys are going to see close to 40 minutes a game, which we saw with Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bucks haven't been doing that this off uh, this postseason really at all. Right. They've been still playing kind of like the regular season, where uh, uh, getting in between the 33, 35 minute range so, for Giannis Middleton. So and, do you... uh, they're playing a lot more bench guys. Uh, they think they had nine guys to the floor, mm-hmm. and uh, think Toronto only had eight. Yeah, like okay, so like Pat Connaughton. Okay, we'll throw his name out there. Eleven minutes. So he only had six rebounds. He had no assists and no points. But that's huge because he leaves more, he, he gives more rest for, you know, the Chris Middleton, the Eric Bledsoe, uh, you know, and, and even, and even Hill too, you know, Hill had no points as all, as well. So he didn't make a, he didn't make a basket, but I mean, he was right. still out there giving guys rest, keeping the floor open. Right. So do you think that's, so everybody says, okay, you need a star to win, Right. I mean, that's true. You need a star to win. But how much of an effect is 
having on Toronto having to have most of their players play 40 plus minutes. Like, do you think, do you think it, it's making them more exhausted and harder to keep up with the Bucks because then a fresh Giannis can come in? I think it's going to keep them a little bit more exhausted, a little more tired. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's going to be the case with anybody when you play 40 plus minutes a game. They had four guys play 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Danny Green played 35. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's just going to be the way it is. I mean, a lot of teams, like you said, they, they, the super team is kind of the way that teams try to build around now. Right. What? How many stars can we get on this team? And the Bucks and the Raptors kind of took the opposite effect of that. I mean, the Raptors did make the trade for Kawhi Leonard mm-hmm. uh, in the offseason and the Marcus All trade as well. But, I mean, those are the Bucks kind of have a different approach. They have Giannis, who's a star, but then they go out and get guys like Brooke Lopez, Nikola Miritich, who aren't really stars, George Hill. Right. Uh, but they're going to fit your system and really help give your guys rest and can still do what your stars are doing. Right. Yeah, complimentary players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really think I, I think Milwaukee has it set. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too high after game one. Uh, but I, I, I think uh, this being probably the worst that I've seen the Bucks play in a long time, um, I think this is going to be a good, a good series. I, um, I, I think maybe we win in five again. Um, but all right, so we'll move on a little bit um, off the Bucks, and we had the NBA draft, um, or the lottery, not the actual draft, but the lottery. But we all know Zion is going to be the number one pick and the new Orleans Pelicans got it. So what do you think, what do you think they should do? Should they, uh, try to convince Anthony Davis to stay and have Zion? Or do you think they're going to do like, what do you think that is is a possible situation that the Pelicans are going to try to pursue? Well, they're definitely taking Zion Williams. And there was some talk, I know a little bit about people trying to speculate that he would go back to Duke because he didn't, really want to play in New Orleans. Yeah, that's not uh, going to happen. The Knicks was the preferred team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's not going to happen. They've already shot that down. He will be in New Orleans Pug and mm-hmm. barring some drastic change. Uh, Anthony Davis has already said that this doesn't change anything. He still wants Once. to leave. Yeah. Uh, but now all the coins, all the, it's, it's kind of all in uh, New Orleans uh, court now. Right. Uh, the New York Knicks were hoping to get the number one overall pick, not to take Zion, but to trade the number one pick for Anthony Davis. Davis, right. And now the, the team that got the number one pick already has Anthony <laughs> has Davis. Has Anthony Davis, yeah. Yep. Uh, I think that Anthony, I think uh, right now the Pelicans, I'm not sure when it'll happen. It might wait till after free agency. Um, but I think the Pelicans will probably still move Anthony Davis before the start of the season. Uh, teams like Boston mm-hmm. have a lot of assets that, Jason Tatum's kind of the big name there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Smart, even Al Horford, they can maybe try to uh, steal away out of that one as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, the Lakers uh, are also the other big name that everyone's always looking at with Anthony Davis. Right. Um, they'll if they if they want to go for him, they'll probably wait until after free agency because they can still get a big superstar there this summer if they try, mm-hmm. and then they can maybe get Anthony Davis like on a one year rental or something like that after the the salary's already kind of played out. Yeah. I, the Knicks, no one knows what's happening there. Right yeah. Just a mess. It, it, and, and it's, it's so hard because nobody, like you said, no, it's a, well, one, it's a big mess Two, Nobody knows really what the free agency 
or where the free agency market is going to pan out. Where do where do where does KD really want to go? You know, yeah, and no one knows where KD wants to go. Uh, Kyrie has been up in the air all season. All it's season. Been a, it's been a storyline since the season began. Right. In Boston, and it's the the Boston Celtics can find a way to get Anthony Davis there before free agency starts. Does that convince Kyrie to stay in Boston? I feel like he kind of wants to be done there, but if they get Anthony Davis, does that change his mind? Right. We're not really sure. It's going to be really interesting and fun to see how this all plays out this summer. Yes, for sure. Definitely, and we'll have you on a lot more, along with the Bucks' continued success, and hopefully all the way through the finals and championship, and we can talk about that as well, and hopefully celebrate a Bucks championship together. So... Thanks, Big Easy, for coming on and joining Cully's Corner. I hope you had fun, and hope uh, we'll hear you next week when the Bucks uh, hopefully are three or four games up <laughs> or win. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, bud. Thanks. I appreciate it. So the Brewers are on a roll right now, uh, riding the ship after losing two out of three to the Cubs. Like I said last week, I think they were going to do... Um, I was totally wrong about this Philly game. I, for, I totally forgot that it was a four-game series. Um, but, hey, you know, the the Brewers lose the first one in Philly, so they were on a three-game skid. But then it got warmer, it seemed like. It seems like these bats and our pitching don't heat up unless the weather is hot um which is kind of disturbing because we are from wisconsin um so but you know what i mean i know it's so early to talk about baseball but it's fun recapping the week and now we get to look ahead to play a very young talented atlanta team and i think i i they're a team that if they're on, they're hard to beat. But it's because they're so young, it seems like they're very wishy-washy or Jekyll and Hyde. It's almost it's almost like the young Brewer teams where it was like, oh man, if they're hot, they're hot. And when they're cold, they're really cold. So it will be it will be fun to go into this this weekend. And, and see what the Brewers can do with Ad- Atlanta. But, you know, yesterday's day game against the Phillies, um, you know, Davies gets another win. Our, our unsung hero right now, along with Woodruff. Woodruff got the win, too. Davies 5-0. and Brewers win 11-3. Um, Yelich hits two more home runs. His batting average right now, is 3.42. He went three for five yesterday with two home runs, two RBI. His OPS is 1.218. That is nuts. I mean, he's he's already he's still having a phenomenal MVP once again type season and we're in May. So when this when this team can heat up it's going to be it's going to be really fun. Um you know Moose hit another home run yesterday as well. 
Uh, so his his batting average is up to 259, which is great. He was kind of slumping. They sent down Shaw and bring up Heria. Um, or I, I I don't I'm not I'm not gonna get onto Kenson yet. Um, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait to see what the Brewers do with him. Um, and then we'll start talking about that. Um, but what is improving for the Brewers is their pitching. Their pitching has consistently has gotten better. Um, you know, they're, they're as a team, their team ERA has dropped. Um, right now, Zach Davies is pitching or has an ERA of 1.54, which is huge. He has 36 strikeouts. His whip is 1.18. You know, he's not, he has command over everything. And I think that's, uh, that's what's huge right now for the Brewers is their bullpen finally settled down. And I mean, yes, we scored 11 runs, so that helps as well. But it's still nice to see that the bullpen is finally coming around. And I, I have to wonder if it is because of the cold weather. Weather. Uh, the one thing that is concerning right now with the Brewers, and even though I know they scored 11 runs, they are struggling, it seems, to get the key hit, the timely hitting, the hit that breaks it open in the third inning or the fourth inning instead of the seventh, eighth, and ninth. I mean, they scored three runs in the seventh yesterday, two runs in the eighth, and two runs in the ninth. I mean, that's huge. I I understand. But it seems like they're leaving a lot of people on base to me. Where we're up, you know, three nothing. We got the bases loaded and it's strikeout, fly out, strikeout. Like that's concerning. That's concerning. We don't want to make this a trend, I guess. So I just I would like to see a little bit more of timely hitting because we didn't see that in Chicago. And that's why we lost two games. I mean, that that Saturday game that went 18 innings, I mean, that's that's rough. It, it just seemed like one team was going to hit a home run and the other team wasn't, and that was going to be the end of the game. And that's exactly what happened, and the Cubs won it. But... I don't like leaving it up to just hitting home runs. And this is a great home run hitting club. I just don't want to live and die by it because then the old adage of good pitching beats good hitting. So, but Brewers take on Atlanta this weekend and I think it will be a lot of fun. I think these are two clubs that could be seeing a lot of each other in the postseason this year. So thanks for tuning in to Cully's Corner. I really hope uh, you enjoyed today's podcast. A big thanks to Big Easy um, and his insight and his thoughts and takes on the Bucks. That was great. I really appreciate it, and I hope everybody has a great week, and we'll see you here next time. Don't forget, it always starts with you. And go, Bucks, go. Let it fly, let it fly. Let it fly.